know our pastor is gone at a conference down in uh, Los Angeles. And so as Christy shared earlier, she was going to give the message, but uh, her heart wasn't ready for it. And, um, but, you know, I want to... I would like to share about that last song we just sang, saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, we're trading our sickness, our sorrow, our pains. I was, as I was singing that song right now, I was reminded of my brother. I lost a brother uh, two years ago in October from cancer. But he had a saying. My brother, um, his last year was, it was pretty bad, about the last six months. But every time somebody would ask him, how are you doing, Michael? He would always say, fine in Jesus. And, and my other family members would say, what do you mean you're fine in Jesus? You're dying of cancer, brother. And, but, you know, and I pondered over that for a long time. I would think his answer was always be fine in Jesus, fine in Jesus. And, and after he was gone and, you know, we had his memorial and stuff, and even like today I was, we were singing this song, and the reason we can say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, because no matter what our bodies feel like, no matter what the, our minds feel like, we are fine in Jesus. As long as we can stay there in Jesus, we are fine. And so, you know, um, and I mean, you know, he died, but he was fine in Jesus. And yes, I mean, praise God, I know where he is. But I was singing that song, and that memory just came back about how everybody would say, Michael, how can you say you're fine in Jesus? You're dying of cancer. But that was always his answer, I'm fine in Jesus, you know. And you could tell sometimes he was like, I'm fine in Jesus, you know. But um, so anyway, I just wanted to share that memory. It just came to me while I was singing. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for this time, Father. This time that this is a, a time you picked. Christy and I didn't pick it. You picked it. You picked that the pastor was going to be gone right now. And so, Lord, this message is from you. And I thank you that, that you even find me, you know, worthy enough to present this message, Lord. And I thank you, Lord. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that are here, um, the ones who this is meant to hear, their ears would hear it. And so, Lord, we pray for the ones that aren't here, that are home for sickness, are tired or weariness, are just because, um, just because they're, they're trying to figure out things, Lord. They're trying to figure out what is it all about. We pray for them, Lord. So we thank you. I thank you for this opportunity. I give it to you. I pray that for clarity of mind that you would help me to present this message that you've given me. In Jesus' precious name. So uh, I had it all figured out. We were going to all read Psalms 119 together. And then, kind of in the midstream, the Lord switched me to Habakkuk. And uh, Habakkuk is that little, that little one right about five books before the end of the Old Testament. He's one of the 12 prophets. And you don't, we don't really hear a lot about Habakkuk. But there's a lot of... Lot of neat, it's a very powerful message. And um, we may, I, I don't really know how long this is going to take. We may finish early. You may, I can promise you, you won't be like Uganda here all day. But it may go over a little bit. So I'm not sure. Um, so Habakkuk 3, we all, I mean, I don't know about you, but I have 
life verses. I call them my life verses. I have about three. I have one when I first became to the Lord. In Matthew, let your light shine before men. This one came, became my life verse when my husband left 38 years ago. So I have been single 38 years. My daughter was two and a half. I held on. I held on like a good Christian. My marriage was going to be restored. And no matter what anybody said to me, I would say my marriage is going to be restored because I serve a God who's powerful because my God is, he's all. And I held on to that. I would tell people for two years, my marriage is going to be restored. My marriage is going to be restored. Well, it wasn't. My husband filed for divorce. I ended up, I ended up that word I hated, a divorced woman. And things changed. I mean, as much as you don't want to think they do, they change. And... Uh, but this is my life verse. Though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exalt the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my salvation. He has made my feet like hinds feet, and he makes me walk on high places. That became my life verse. I hung on to that. I, um, I just, you know, unless you've been through a tragedy of a death or a divorce, you're just kind of in a fog. And I was in a fog for a couple years, and I was hanging on to that promise my marriage is going to be restored. I know it is. I, Lord, you know, I believe your word. And, uh, but sometimes God answers not in our way. Okay? He, he, he's God, and he tells us, my thoughts are your, not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And we know, um, I want to read that to you. Isaiah 55, 8, 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than yours. And um, uh, 55, 18. Now, um, here I am 38 years later, and I can see, I can name you the goodness that has come out of this um, trauma in my life. I can name you things that God has done that would have never happened. You know, I mean, here I am down the line 38 years later, and it's like I can see God's bigger picture of that part of my life. And, uh, and I praise God that I can see that. And I can, I can see the strength in my daughter and in her marriage and, and just what a wonderful mother she is with her children and, I, I just can see evidences of God working in the middle of our trials. And um, so that became my life first. I held on to it. I live it. I believe it. And um, so Habakkuk is just this three chapters. Like I said, he's uh, a minor prophet. And most prophets have a message from God to the people. That's what most prophets are. They say, here's a message God has given me, either through a word or through vision. 
but these prophets will bring a message to us. But Habakkuk is the one who his is a conversation. So his, his whole book is on his conversation with God. That's, this is what this prophet is. It's his conversation with God. And God told him, I want you to write this down because it's got to be remembered. He told him, write this down. And it came to him because Habakkuk saw it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going um, to give you an outline of it, and then I'm going to tell you a summary in my own words. It's going to be the Debbie way, okay? So, <laughs> so here is, um, but I suggest you at some time read Habakkuk to yourself, the three chapters. So here is the outline. You get the introduction that he's going to, uh, that Habakkuk is this from him. Then the first part of it is he has a complaint of unchecked violence in Judea. That's chapter 1. And then also in chapter 1, we have the Lord's answer. The Chaldeans is the instrument of punishment. Now, this part is really like, it's just like, wow. I learned something very interesting because the Chaldeans were people who lived in southern uh, Babylon and today, I, I didn't know this. Do you know where, where, that, where they were from? Iraq. They were from Iraq. I, that was kind of like, wow. Here the, God chose these people now. He chose these people in this. So, um, so then a second problem, the Chaldeans are more wicked than the Judeans. And then God has a second answer. The purpose is certain, and faith will be rewarded in chapter 2. Also in chapter 2, the five woes of iniquity, whether Jewish or Chaldeans, is five. Then in chapter th 3, we get Habakkuk's prayer. We get Habakkuk, this chapter 3, he remembers everything, he remembers everything that God has done. So, the way it starts off, though, I'm going to read to you, I'm going to share with you, so we get to the very first part of Habakkuk, and this is how it starts off. How long, O Lord, will I call for help? And you will not hear me. I cry out to you, violence, yet you do not save. Why do you make me see iniquity and cause me to look on all this wickedness? Yes, destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists and contention arises. Therefore, the law is ignored and justice is never upheld. How many of you said that today? I say today, Lord, how, why are we looking out at all this violence, all this corruption, all this strife? Why, Lord? He's crying out. He's crying out for his city. Why, Lord? Because right before this, he was under, um, he was under the, la the last godly king who was who? Who was the last godly king? Christy? Josiah. He was the last godly king. And you know what was interesting? He became king at eight years old. Isn't that amazing that God can, and you know, um, I can remember, I can remember us thinking, wow, we don't want to get a pastor too young. We, you know, if we get a pastor too young, they might not have experienced life. Here's Josiah, eight years old. And he became king. How many, how, many of you, how many of you think the people said, Lord, he's too young. How's he going to be our king? <laughs> you know? So is, God, is God's ways not our ways? Is God's thoughts not our thoughts? 
Will God do things his way even though we look at it and go, oh, Lord, I don't understand. So that's how it starts. And, and I, I'm doing that. I don't know about you. I try not to listen to the news too much because it gets overwhelming and you start looking out at all the destruction and the violence. And I have to keep my eyes on Jesus or else I would just say, I'd fall if I got off of that rock. I need to stay on that rock. So, um, so here he's, he's, he's talking to the Lord and he's saying, Lord, I just don't understand it. I just don't understand. And then God comes to him with his answer. And God says to him, I'm going to use the Chaldeans. That's who I'm going to use. They're going to be the ones that I use to make this all right, to take care of this situation. Now, they are the most aggressive, warlike people there are in land. They're their enemies. They're an intelligent group, but they're... So can you imagine what's, what's Habakkuk's thought? God, how can you use a people more violent than the people you're dealing with? But that's God. He says, that's what I'm doing. This is what... He is using the most violent, the most aggressive person, group of people to take care of this situation that, help, that Habakkuk is crying out and saying, Lord, my nation is in ruins. It, there's so much violence. They're not following the laws. They're, they're, there's this strife. And how would you feel if the Lord says, you know what, I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to bring your enemy to take care of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, ponder on that. Try that on and try saying, I don't understand it, Lord. I don't understand why you, you didn't stop this divorce. I, didn't know, I don't understand why you didn't stop that car accident. I don't understand why you didn't, you know, heal my daughter, heal my son, heal my brother. You know, we don't understand. We don't get to understand. <laughs> no, because you know why? Because the heart of this, the whole heart of Habakkuk is the just shall live by faith, verse 2-4. Because God says your faith, what matters than any, more than anything else, is your faith. It's your faith. Are you going to be faithful? Are you going to be faithful if you don't see this? Are you going to be faithful because I chose to use the child? The child. <laughs> now, now, thank you. Chaldeans, are you going to be faithful because I chose to do what you can't understand? Are you going to be faithful because I chose to go against what you think? You know? I mean, you know, folks, we have so much upheaval right now over our political scene. We've never lived in a time when there's been so much up, upheaval of our political scene. You know, some people want to say, well, how can the Democrats, how can God use the Democrats, or how can God use the Democrats, how can God use the Republicans? God doesn't care what we think. He doesn't care what name you are, where you, what you put down, where you vote, or what you do. You know, our God, he, could, he looks at us and say, you guys are so silly. You really are so silly. When will you come to accept that I am the sovereign God? When are you truly going to say, I am the sovereign God? 
You can look out there and you can see all the political things and you can see the world. But are you going to keep your faith? That's what he was saying to Habakkuk. That's, that's what this is. This whole book is famous and known for Habakkuk. In fact, it's quoted in the New Testament. It's quoted in Romans 1.17. For it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. The righteous man shall live by faith. Galatians 3.11. Now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident, for the righteous man shall live by faith. Yes. Hebrews 10.38. But my righteousness, one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Now that's a hard one. But it says, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Not only does it not have pleasure, it grieves our Heavenly Father. Not, not just that he doesn't have pleasure in it. He, it grieves him. He, he is saying, hang on to your faith. Hang on to your faith no matter what you see in front of you, no matter what you see around you. Hang on to your faith. I mean, I just, just look at Habakkuk. So, so, so that's his answer. And then the, sec, uh, the Lord's second answer is the purpose is certain. Faith will be rewarded. And then the five foes of iniquity. And then we come to the Habakkuk's prayer. And this is the outline of it. And and it's just, it's like, here, here's Habakkuk. He's just, he's getting these answers from the Lord, and he's just saying, after he gets the answers about the Chaldeans, he goes up, he goes up to a tower, and he waits for God's answer. And I'm thinking, like, for me, it would be me going up to Cascade Head. And I just picture me being up there at Cascade Head, looking down. How many of you have been up to Cascade Head? It's the most beautiful view in Lincoln City. It's, a, it's the mountain, and you oversee the whole coastline. And I'm standing up there, and I'm saying, Lord, Lord, oh, Lord. And my heart is heavy, and it's saying, Lord, I cry out for this country of mine. I cry out because of all the evil going on, because of all the strife going on, because of all just all the wickedness, Lord. And that why are the wicked prospering, Lord? I don't understand it. So here is Habakkuk waiting, and he says, I'm going to go up there, and I'm going to wait. I'm going to go to Cascade Head, and I'm just going to wait for God's answer. I'm just going to wait here and see what God shows me. So he's just, he's up there, and he's saying, I don't know. I'm waiting on the Lord. And then the Lord starts showing him. Remember when I did this? Remember when I did this? Remember when I fed everybody? Remember when we crossed and I divided the waters? Remember when I took you out of slavery? God starts bringing you into memory. Do you remember some of those things? Debbie, do you remember how I provided for you and Mariah? Do you remember how I prov you lived in a mansion for 20 years? Debbie, do you remember? He reminds me 
of when, I, when I've gone through other struggles after the divorce, and I went, he would remind me, Debbie, do you remember? I want you to remember those things. Don't forget them. Remember that I brought you through the land. Remember where I brought you. And so that's what he's doing. He's standing up there, and God is telling him, remember, look down and start remembering what I've done. Forget about what you don't understand. Forget that the Chaldeans, forget that they're the warlord, they're the most aggressive. Forget that they're your enemies. He's saying, remember what I've done. Remember what I've done. And, um, but, I mean, I can just picture, can you talk about being confused. Have you ever had God answer you some way you didn't want to be answered? <laughs> Were you ever left confused? Yeah. You must have been at some time like Habakkuk and just said, I don't understand that, Lord. I don't understand that. And, I mean, we can all relate to that, that there are times that God will answer a certain way and we'll just say, I don't know. So, but Habakkuk ends this whole, he ends everything with his, with his prayer and his commitment and his that I will stay faithful to the truth. I will stay faithful to your, what you say. And um, I would like us all to read together. If Michelle, you could put um, Habakkuk 3.17 up. And I'd like us all to just do this together. You know, I've often wished I, I had a voice because I would love to try to put, sing that out because that was like many of the psalms that was sung. He, he sung that, and it was like, but I won't bless you with that this morning. <laughs> Come on, Deb. <laughs> but we're going to say that together again because I just wanted to penetrate in you. I want you to know that our faith doesn't rely on our temporal blessings. Our faith doesn't rely on our paychecks. Our faith doesn't rely on the homes we live in. Our faith doesn't rely on what you can see. Our faith relies on who God is. Who God is. That's what our faith relies. Not on my, my marriage, not on my children, not on anything. My, my faith does not rely on what I can see and what I can touch. It relies on who God is. And that's what this message of Habakkuk is. That's the whole message of relying our faith on who God is, not on what we see, not on what we can touch. But, but at times when our, in fact, most of the times our faith relies on God when you're hurting, when you're in pain, when you can't see a way out. Let me tell you, that's where your faith relies on. Yes. It's when you can't see a way out, when your head is shaking and you say, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't understand why my marriage wasn't restored. I believed you that it was going to be. I don't understand it, Lord. But that's, that's not where my faith, my faith re remains with who God was and who God is. Now, some people have asked, well, did you ever waver? 
And I go, no, I didn't waver. I was in a fog, though, for two years because I believed. And to be honest with you, um, I used to come to church every Sunday, not because it was like, not like now, yeah, we get to go to church, praise Jesus, let's get together. It was more of a, okay, Lord, I'm going to go to church because I didn't know what else to do. I mean, I, it was more like it was part of my life. But I, I didn't, it wasn't like I was jumping for joy because it was like, you know, it's just, um, it was just like, because I was still believing. I was still believing. And, and uh, so that first year, those couple years were a, fo- a fog. But did I waver? No. Did I get disappointed? Yes. Was I in pain? Yes. Yes. Um, my mom, uh, we, I lost a brother when I was uh, 21 and he was 18. And, and people used to ask my mom, Juanita, do you ever, uh, does, does the pain ever get better? Do you ever, you know, do you, does it lessen? And she would, and one time she told a friend, no, you don't ever lose the pain, but you learn how to live with it. You learn how to live with it. And, um, I mean, even just talking right now, I can, I can still feel the pain, you know, um, of divorce. And especially, you know, my daughter, how she cried nights for her dad. You know, you remember those things. But God's, God has been so faithful. He has been so faithful. It, it, it um, kind of, I don't know how to explain it. He holds the pain. That's the way. He holds the pain. It's not that it's gone. It's just that God is like this. He goes, you know, yeah, you have that pain because it's a memory. You know, no matter what anybody tells you, whether it's the loss of a child, whether if it's uh, the loss of a home or moving on, whatever it is that you've been through, you know, something will bring a memory. Like singing that song brought the memory of my brother. And sometimes you'll be driving the car and then you'll have a memory and it's like, but God is like, he's cushioning it. He's saying, that's still there, but, I, you know, I, I, I've cushioned it for you. As long as you keep the faith in me, not on what you see, not on what you can feel or touch, but you keep that faith on me because I'm God, we're going we're gonna to go through it. And, um, yes, <laughs> so here's a quote from John MacArthur. Faith is not a one-time act. It is a way of life. The true believer declares righteous, declared righteous by God will habitually preserve in faith, persevere in faith throughout his life. He will trust the sovereign God who only does what is good. Do you believe in a sovereign God that only does good? Do you believe that? Do you believe that for everything in your life? No matter at times that it's hard, no matter at times you don't understand, do you believe that a sovereign God does only what's good? I want to hear it loud. Do you believe a sovereign God? Yes. Yes. That has to be the answer. And it has to be loud sometimes. Because sometimes the only way to stamp out that enemy is to be loud and let him know. You took away my marriage, but my sovereign God is good. You did not heal my daughter, but my sovereign God is good. Yes, you did not give me that job, but my sovereign God is good. We all have something in our life. Everybody here has something in your life that you can say, 
God, I did not understand that. Well, why did you use my enemy? But God is good. And that's what you have to do all the time. We are going to trust in a sovereign God who only does good. Only does good. And no matter what you see, no matter what you hear, that's, where, that's what will keep you on the road that faith that needs is our sustaining life is that faith. So, and I like this, Hebrews 3, 12 through 14. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by the sins of deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our, our original conviction firmly to the end of the very end. I'm going to read that again. Hebrews 3:12. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that no one, so that none of you may be hardened by the sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold to our original conviction firmly to the very end. So I want to say encourage one another. You know, um, when Christy, you know, bless her heart, you know, she was overwhelmed. First she said she would do today, but then in the middle of the week she just, you know, her, she just got overwhelmed and it was like, and she should be able to come to one of us and say, you know what, I need help. I need help. I can't do it, you know? And so, and that's what we need with each other. We need to encourage each other because you know what? All of us have, we all have these, they're called, but why, Lord? We all have these, like, we have these, like, but why days or why moments or why, even though we all are here, and, and you know, I've been walking with the Lord for 48 years, and I feel pretty firm, but yet, we all have a little once in a while I'll come in, but, but why? I don't, under, you know, don't understand. I don't know, Lord. We all have those. They come. That's why you know, he says, um, uh, none of you, and to the unbelieving heart, that the main thing is not to turn away. Turn away from the living God, but encourage each other. And I, that's what I, I love it when I can be encouraged. You know, and, um, and that's what we need because we all have those days. And, and it's great. We need to be, but we need to be like Christy. We can't, I can't be back here and, and going through all this junk and kind of like nobody came and tried to help me. She let me know. She says, Debbie, I can't do it. And so I was able to come and encourage and I was able to step forward and I was able to say, Okay, let me help. You know, it's okay to come through these church doors. Believe it or not, it is okay to walk through those doors. And when people say, how are you? It's really okay to say, you know what? I'm having kind of a rough day today. And prayerfully, somebody will pray with you. And it's okay to say, you know what? It's been, it, it's been a pretty hard week. But praise God, I, I needed to be here. I needed to hear, you know, to be with brothers and sisters. 
You don't have to come. <laughs> you do not have to come through those front doors and sing, praise Jesus, everything's fine, nothing's wrong, nothing's wrong. No, if that's not in your, <laughs> if it's in your heart, if it's in your heart, whatever is in your heart, that's what, whatever is in your heart, that's, express it. If it is, if, if everything is, like, praise Jesus, it is well with me. Yeah, but we are here to encourage each other, to encourage each other in the race. And when you see somebody not here, there's people here that we've missed, we haven't seen for a long time. Call them, send them a card, encourage them. Just say, thinking of you, miss you. You know, we have people here that we've missed. I've missed. And we need to call them. We need to say, I miss you, sister, I miss your brother. That's all, nothing heavy, just... Just I miss you. So let us encourage. Now I want to read, uh, once again, I want to read these three scriptures. They, they relate to what we're talking. 2 Peter 3.8. But do not let this one fact escape you, escape your notice. Beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. So you know what? You keep praying. And you say, some people say, but I've been praying that prayer for 30 years. Well, you know what? 30 years to you is 30 seconds to the Lord, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, sometimes the answer is in his timing, his timing. So, Isaiah 55, 8, 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than yours. So, you know, that's a, that's a long ways to the he heaven. And, you know, we're going to have situations like Habakkuk where the Lord will come and say to you, I'm going to use the Chaldeans for this, to answer this. And you're going to say, what? You're going to say, are you sure, Lord? Do you understand that these people are the most aggressive, they're worse than the people you want to deal with? And the Lord's going to say, are you going to trust me? The Lord's going to say, do you believe that I know what I'm doing? So remember that the next time the Lord answers with someone or some way, you can't wrap your head around. In fact, you're kind of like baffled by it, confused by it. I suggest you read what Habakkuk had to say. <laughs> but that's when you go and read what, how he had to stand up there and say, I don't know, Lord. I don't understand it. But I know that everything you do is for good. I know you are the sovereign God, and I know you only do good. And then Luke 22, 31, 32. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when you, once you have turned again, you will strengthen your brother. Luke twenty-two thirty-one. Simon, Simon, put your name in there. Debbie, Debbie, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brother. And that's what I'm doing. I have been sifted. I have been sifted. I mean, I have other 
verses that go along with some life events, but I don't want to keep you here all afternoon. <laughs> but this, I have been sifted, and many of you have too. Well, what does he say? I, that's not I, God, have prayed for you, Debbie. Man, think of that. Put your name there. I, God, have prayed for you. That's a personal. God is putting you on a personal. I, God, have prayed for you, Debbie, that you will not fail. Talk about a promise. Yeah, talk about a promise. And what am I to do? Am I just supposed to leave it there? We have a responsibility, folks. We have a responsibility. We're to take that. And we're to what? Strengthen. Not just encourage, we're to strengthen our brothers and sisters. You know? And you know, another good, I mean, something that happened that turned out good because of my divorce, I used to be, um, oh, I don't know, what's the word? I went, before I went through my divorce, I used to be very opinionated. I used to be, maybe I am a little bit, but. <laughs> what do you think? So, but before that, I used to say to people, no excuse for divorces. You know, God can work all things out. And I used to say, um, there's always two sides to the story. And I used to say, I had my opinion on everything about why divorce was wrong and it was, you, you shouldn't, it shouldn't happen to you. And boy, does that change. And, uh, but I have been able to minister and witness to so many people who have come out of a divorce, and not only come out of a divorce, but come out of a divorce of, the, of a, somebody who didn't want it. I didn't want it. I fought for my marriage. But who, I can minister to people whose mate walked out. Yeah, I can minister to the one who, who it was their partner who says, I'm out of here. Bye. You know? So I have been able to use that in these 38 years. I have been able to minister to other people whose partner said, bye, don't want to be married anymore. And um, so, you know, God decided to use that for his, for his kingdom and his glory. And... Um, I'm, I'm having a memory of one of the hardest, the, one of the hardest parts of the divorce was um, my daughter Mariah was two and a half years old. And the hardest part of that divorce was um, hearing her cry in her room every night. She'd cry in her room every night for, I don't know, I can't even tell you how long. She'd say, I want my daddy, I want my daddy. And, uh, that's when I really, man, I didn't want to kill Larry for leaving me. I wanted to kill him for leaving Mariah. <laughs> I, you know, I did. I, at that point, when my daughter would cry, I, it was like I was ready to, whatever it was to, to bring justice to him, I would have done it, you know. And um, that was, yeah, that's when I was ready to, like, take a, bat and go after him, you know. It was like, it, it wasn't so much me. It was just hearing, hearing that daughter, my daughter, cry every night. But I praise God, um, his faithfulness. And um, I just can't say it again that 
We've got to keep our eyes on him, not on what we can see, not on what has happened to us, not on what we have or what we don't have, but our faith is built on Jesus Christ, our solid rock. That's who our faith is built on. Um, so I'm going to have the worship team come up, and we're going to finish with on Jesus Christ, the solid rock. And um, during this song, I just want you to think about how God has been your rock. All Because all around is sinking sand. I mean, look at us. We sometimes think of that. All around is sinking sand. But on Jesus Christ, the rock we stand.